Hello and welcome again to our encounter episodes. I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us and thank you for the, the good stuff. I, I, ge- I keep getting in both email and mail form. Uh, I yeah. do appreciate that. Uh, I'm hoping we can try to somehow get it to where our community here can, you know, be a little bit more, um, I don't know, discuss somehow on the digital platform with one another. It's great to have, uh, I know, I like to go to Sunday school classes when they're using the encounter. I love to hear the uh, discussions and conversations in that class, but I would love to see different churches from different states and presbyteries be able to kind of interact as well. That would be fun to hear all the different perspectives and things. My name is Chris Fleming. I am the adult ministry coordinator for the ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and I am joined by... Hello, I am Reverend Rebecca Zardi. I am the director of ministry with women for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Ministry council as well, I guess, you know. <laughs> yes, ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, and so we're starting a new, we're starting a new quarter yes. today, which I'm really we super are. excited about. Uh, Dr. George Estes, he has been a writer for The Encounter for many years and obviously been one of our key people in the denomination. And so we're thankful for him and all his work. What I wanted to try to do today, try to do today, because I'm not the best attempt attempt to share my screen. Attempt to try. Um, And we're going to just go to. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Anyway, one of those words. It's going to be a good day, (laughs) Becky. One of the things that you can do for the encounter, you obviously can get this on your, um, you know, paper copy through your church, or if you wanted just a copy for yourself or send to a friend, uh, you can call up the resource center and you can uh, get that ordered and shipped wherever you want to. But we also offer a digital edition that will, um, that goes one-to-one with the printed page. So, you know, page one is page one, page two, so on and so forth. Um, but this is only a, a digital PDF, so you can download that and you can read it on your computer or on your, um, you know, on your tablet of some kind. But it, it, it's it's not very interactive, like you can't click on your table of contents or anything and get there. So one thing that you could do, uh, well, let me show you how to buy that. If you go to cpcmc.org forward slash encounter, this will keep you up with the new quarter it'll give you the description of everything and then down at the bottom you can see our pretty faces but you can also click on click on here or here um, and it will take you directly to the place to buy the digital encounter for the current quarter so um, then you would just go through and do that another thing that you can do uh, if you're into the digital stuff we do have a kindle edition and the easiest way to find it would be to go to amazon.com and type in encounter bible study summer whatever quarter we're in and that will bring you to um that will bring you to the entry there and you can download that good thing about this edition is while it's not a one-to-one like page one is not going to be page one on the kindle edition and so on and so forth but it does have a table of contents that's interactive and you can highlight you can um you know save your place where you're at and all that good stuff, make notes. So if you're interested in that, please don't hesitate to uh, to buy that or send it to a friend. If you know that somebody right. that maybe is not in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, but you want to send them a gift, do so. Please. Um, 
please. Was there anything else we were going to, I don't think so. I, that's good I enough. Think so. Technology yeah. works. So I'm going to. Yeah. And remember if you are viewing us for the first time, or even if you're not to like, and subscribe, click the buttons down below um, and to interact with us on, on our digital platforms, post a question, make a comment. We yep. would love to hear from you and we will answer. We promise. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All right. So, um, so we're going into Job, Job this week yeah. and then, or this quarter, yeah. first part of the month, second, and then also Ecclesiastes. And I think those are books that, that are worthy to study. And sometimes Absolutely. we don't. One of the reasons is because they're hard. And so I will uh, advise all of our Sunday school teachers and people who are watching this, this is going to be a little deeper study. Uh, maybe, but it's well worth doing uh, and it's worth really thinking about. So our lesson today is for June the 5th and it is titled Meet Mr. Job in our prayer for illumination. Oh God, we have all faced trials. Sometimes we do not understand why. As we turn to your word over the next months, give us heavenly wisdom. Help us to respond in our lives with faithfulness, even when we do not understand everything that's happening to us. Amen. And our memory verse is Job 1.8. I don't know. I couldn't find a real good one. So the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And that's Job 1.8 again. So, all right. So that really sets us up. I mean, it's a good it does. memory verse. It's kind of a weird memory verse. It's not one that you hope to read all the time because. But I mean, there's some really good stuff in there that we need to think about. And we're going to over the and next. We're going to talk time. about that today. So hang on. Here we All go. Right. So I'm the host today, obviously, because I started out and doing this because Becky was so gracious to cover all my hosting all duties. Amazing was, lessons. Yeah. yeah amazing. Amazing. amazing lessons. They were awesome. Um, so the introduction today, um, how do you introduce a book that is so deep and mm. just I, deep and deep and wide. I mean, it's a long book. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, and I think Dr. Estes even points out in here, I can't remember where he does it, but this is pretty much the longest piece of theological writing we have from the Hebrews. Like, yes. I mean, every, every page is like a, wow, I really need to think about that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to start off, I think, with just a discussion question, Becky, and I'm going sure. to uh, let you answer it. The book of Job begins unlike any other book in the Bible. What are your feelings? when you read about God and Satan's contest, and I don't think you can call it anything other than a contest. Like it's not, they right. weren't like, anyway, have you ever felt like you were tested like Job? Hmm. I think we've all felt that way. Haven't we? Yeah. But I don't know. You know, okay. I say that on, on the surface level, that sure. I think we've all felt like maybe we were tested like Job, but then when you really read Job, have I ever really been tested like Job? No, probably not. Um, have not. So I felt like it maybe, but not truly. And I don't know, you know, this is a book that I have come back to time and time again over the years, like how I understood it when I was in high school versus how I understand it today my, my shift, my focus, my views have changed so much that it's intriguing to me. Like at first, when I was a teenager, I thought, why, you know, what the heck, why would God do that? And I just always felt like God was being maybe a bully at that point in time to like, 
why would you let something like this happen to somebody who is blameless and upright in your sight? You know, I didn't understand that. But then as I've gotten older and I've walked through my own trials in my life and, and have just come out the other side of so many of those with the understanding that bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. You know, it, it rains on the just and the unjust and we live in a broken world. Um, and my shift, my focus has shifted from the contest maybe between God and the Satan to how amazing it is that, that Job maintained his integrity through the whole process, you know, and that, that has become my focus of of just continuing to worship and praise God, no matter what is going on in, in my life. So that's where I'm at. How about you? What do you think? Um, yeah, no, I still have problems <clears throat> with the whole, like God and Satan, like, sure. Just pound around. I don't, I do. Uh, I'm like you though. My, what matters to me in the book of Job has probably changed yeah. as I've grown older. Um, Job has instructed me on one thing. Um, and you know, some, some Christians would agree or disagree with me, but it has pushed me more toward the understanding that I might, I am loved. I'm a child of God or whatever, but I'm still a creation and God is majestic and he's the King. God's the King. Um, who are you to say to the potter, you can't make me like this, or you can't do what you want to do now that sounds cynical. Yeah. Um, unfortunately though, I say, unfortunately, uh, I like how in the middle of the paragraph, that second, the last paragraph underneath the introduction section, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Esther writes, however, we approach these lessons, understanding the substantive, substantive questions raised by Job are timeless and will not be fully resolved. No. Wasn't resolved by Job, to at least to my satisfaction. Um, and life hasn't resolved the questions either, except that I've got to that point to where I'm a created being mm-hmm. and and the only the only goodness that I'm guaranteed is the goodness that God wants to give me. Um, yes. So again, that's that might be my Calvinism showing again a little bit, but no, um, no, I think that deep theological thought process as as you reread it through through your own life, um, you know the answer, and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point in time. But the answer that Job gets at the end of the scripture is. Not satisfying. Not not an answer. It's not really an answer. No, you know we not. we don't get a resolution to what happened to Job. But at the same time, it makes me look at my life differently. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And then I'll also say I've always thought it was a little bit. No other word can describe it, but a little bit of a cop out. I remember someone trying to teach mm. me how, you know, in the end, Job gets double children, double the, double the wealth, double everything. I'm like, yeah, you still lost your kid. You can't replace those. Right. Even if you get yeah. two of them, you love the one. Um, so anyway, yeah. so it's not satisfying to me. I mean, there's some principle behind it, but it's not satisfying to me. Right. Right. So we could dwell on that forever. I'm sure we could. Yeah. Cause there's so much theological thought process going on there right there. Right. But I don't guess, I don't guess we should. Let's just go on because like, I'm sure in your Sunday school class, be aware that this is probably going to happen or like, right. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's people who have used the book of Job to try to comfort people. Sure. And, and those, 
I don't uh, think that's a comforting comfort, book. Right. Those attempts at comfort are probably as well received as Joe's friend's advice was received. Sure. So, yeah. um, so let's go on with the exploring the scripture uh, section. And um, so um, I think one of the things that I think is just really important, like from the outset, again, the thing that's so jarring about that conversation God has with Satan is even God says, this man, Joe's blameless. Go get him. Like, right. Like sure. I, I could get it, to, you know, but Satan was trying to say, look, you know, I've been going to and fro and you, you've just pampered this guy. And that's why yeah. Joe loves you. And God's like, all right, find out. Right. And I'm like, consider me worthy Lord or don't. <laughs> so anyway, be what careful. Does blameless what mean, then? Yeah. I mean, cause we, we read in scripture and one of the Protestant theologies is like no one righteous, no, not one, even our righteousness is a filthy rag. Um, so what does it mean, Becky? Blameless, blameless. He says blameless and upright one who feared God and turned away from evil. Um, you know, I think in our cultural context, we think of somehow we equate blameless with sinless. And that's not correct because Job wasn't sinless. sinless. He was blameless, meaning that he repented for those sins, that he acknowledged that he had sins, you know, that that's the difference. And we have to get that whole idea of blameless equals sinless out of our mind. Yeah. That's not, it's not the same thing. So I think again, we, we, especially in the Protestant world, we get hooked up on holiness yeah. Which is good. Like, I don't think that's bad. I think that's a good thing. Um, but I think if you go back, kind of like you were alluding to, I think when we think of blameless and righteous, it doesn't mean this, you know, totally total righteous, sinless life. Yeah. What it means is maturity. It's not there. Like to be blameless or, or God fear means that you've come to a certain point of maturity that no, you're not where you are completely sinless but you are mature and that you know when you failed you repent and your intention isn't to fail Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when like david is considered after a man after god's own heart he was terrible but he meant to do good he just wasn't good at it and you know i mean you can even see in his repenting process and like psalm 51 it took him a little while and nathan had to call him out but call him to the carpet man it happened but i mean like he intentionally lived i mean i think in david's heart he always wanted to see god glorified sure so there was an intention and a maturity that i think blameless means yes and i think that's what job was doing because you know we're told that job even offered sacrifices for things that he he didn't know like he didn't know what his kids were were doing you know so he offered sacrifices and, and repentance for things that he was unaware of um yeah he so made that, sure yeah that he helped the poor as well like mm-hmm. he he was uh, a defender of the poor gave his money uh mm-hmm. never you know so i mean like this would be like the i think of a guy who recently passed away at the margaret hank church from the margaret hank church um mm-hmm. eugene wagner he was a world war ii vet like drove an lsat boat for on uh normandy uh mm-hmm. just like good dude i'm sure he had his problems but just an all-around person which you think 
Well, that's what that's what a Christian's supposed to be. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what people thought about Job, you know, when we when we read who he was and in his life, I think that's what people thought about Job, that he was a good man. I think so. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. So that's that. Just in general, Job then one of the reasons, I mean, Job's different. It uses poetry, it uses prose, it uses theological concepts. In some parts, mm-hmm. it's lecture, other parts, it's kind of like playing on your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this goes under, we've historically categorized this as a wisdom book. So it's mm-hmm. in the it's in the boat with Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and Psalms. And uh, it's not like a wisdom book, like you might think of today. Like today we have our self-help books or Maybe right, even yes. textbooks or things like that. But yeah. Hebrew wisdom books didn't work like that. The closest, like the one we're most comfortable with is Proverbs. Mm-hmm. We like Proverbs. it gives you all these pithy one-liners. I mean, one-liners and direct application. Yeah. Train yeah, up a child exactly. in the way they should go. Um, Bam. Yeah, you know, like, uh, like a tree planted by the water. Right. I mean, these images that we can all we can all go with and they're almost instructions. Listen, my children, to the instruction, you know, these kinds of things. Sure. Not the way Job or Ecclesiastes works. The Psalms are wisdom literature, but it's it's a worship book. So but anyway, I think it's important that we come to Job in this way, knowing that it's written not like a textbook. It's not written like a Proverbs. Right. It's written almost as if somebody is manifesting their experience and reflection right of Mm -hmm. of their life before god so in a sense it's kind of like ecclesiastes because that's you know ecclesiastes asks more questions and then tries to answer them yes um job the book of job kind of presents a problem that Mm -hmm. we're we're all worried about still today the why do why do bad things happen to good people right and then uses these characters and so maybe each of the and characters weaves it yeah. in a story yeah. you know i mean in a in a narrative right story style right. story to to help you understand the thought process that they're going through yeah of how how can we answer that question of why bad things happen to good people so yeah that's uh that's pretty good um and then before we move on past that i still think let's <laughs> There's certain assumptions that the book of Job makes um, about God, about the Satan, Satan, demons, spiritual evil, these kinds of things. Um, and I don't think we can just gloss over that. No. So, um, but I don't know exactly how to teach that, except God is presented as the ultimate authority. Satan is presented as a thorn in the flesh for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Satan comes to God. I mean, I could almost see it in my mind where like, almost like Zeus sitting on a big throne and then all the gods have to come, you know, or all the yes. Zeus and everybody has to come to come to, and, and ask what to do and how to do it and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what that means, but that's how I picture it. Right, right. And Bible Project, if, if you're a teacher and you want to um, dig a little bit deeper, maybe even share some information in your class. If you go to YouTube and look up the Bible project, they have a couple of great videos that will help um, address this issue. One of them is called Intro to Spiritual Beings, and the other one is called The Satan and Demons. And they're short 
five, six minute videos that will help understand um, the concept of, of these in, in this context here in Job. Very good. I would encourage y'all to do that because this is something, and this is something we couldn't teach or whatnot here. This takes, this takes effort, yeah. really. Um, but I think uh, the discussion question, let's kind of, the discussion question on page six, above the digging deeper. Sure. How do you square your faith in an all-powerful, all-loving God with the, suff with the suffering and injustice that seems so common in this world? You're up, Becky. Oh, sure. Just laying that one right on me. Um, gosh. I, I always go back to the fact that we live in a broken world. This is not what God intended for us, but this is what we live in. We live with the consequences of what Adam and Eve did, right? And that we and, do. And, and that we do that we continue to do. There are, there are always consequences to our actions, good or bad. There's always a consequence. And, and so we live in this world of unjust, inhumane, uh, just horrible treatment, bad things that happen to good people because of the consequences from everybody from Adam and Eve down on, including our own selves. Um, you know, I think about myself as a kid right there <laughs> sometimes there were painful consequences to the choices i made after my dad got a hold of me and sometimes the consequences were great like you know if you don't cry when you um get your five-year-old vaccines we'll go get ice cream right yeah. so <laughs> you know i mean there's always consequences to your actions and even though it's terrible we're still suffering through those consequences and we're going to continue to suffer through them until Christ comes back. And so I guess that's, I, I square my faith with an understanding of no matter how good I try to be, there are consequences around me from either my own actions or inaction and the actions and inaction of other people. And, and I'm going to suffer them whether justly or unjustly. Um, until Christ's return. Yeah, I guess I would echo that. Uh, sometimes I think people, I guess it depends on where you're coming from. I think sometimes people like get all hot and bothered because something bad's happened to them. I'm like, that's your fault. You know, I've said before, I had a friend who, you know, was a drug addict and a drunk and couldn't keep a job and went through three wives. And then the fourth one leaves and calls me up and says, like, why does God keep doing this to me? I'm like, ah. not sure oh, God has a lot to God. do with this. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. or, you know, I've had people who, you know, smoke two packs of cigarettes a day for 35 years and die of lung cancer. And, you know, they're, I'm at the hospital and they ask, you know, why, why, why did God give me cancer? I, you know, and of course you don't, Yeah, it's not the time to have it. You don't say debate. that, right. You don't have that conversation right then and there, but yeah. But there are certainly times that something doesn't make sense. Like, right. Any kind of tragedies. You know, somebody's doing everything sure. they're supposed to do right. Somebody runs a red light. Somebody does. And again, but that's a consequence of, of either else. an action or an inaction of somebody else. Okay. And, and tornadoes and we, yeah. that happened like here in Mayfield, people losing everything they got, losing their lives. Yeah. They were doing, you know, they're working at Amazon. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and you, I guess maybe you could say that's a 
that's a product of like, uh, you know, um, I think it's just a natural occurrence. Global warming. You could, well, well, I'm saying well, you, you could, you could, you could say that, but then again, you know, those, those kinds of things, you couldn't blame global warming, you know, in scripture, you know, 2000 years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, but things happen. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How, and, and I think that's the gist of the matter. That's what the whole book of Job is about. And then all of a sudden God's like, it's not your place, buddy. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Preview really? to the end. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> we're going to end right back here at the end of this book. That's, yeah, that's we are. essentially what we're going to do. But, you know, I think George does a great job of, <laughs> of bringing the whole book down to one line. It's on the bottom of page five. And it's talking about Job. One of the versions describes it more as endurance than yeah. patience. And he says, yet he remained committed to God amid his dire adversity. And yeah. So maybe that, we can... that's the crux of the, the whole, the whole thing, you know, the whole story, the whole narrative, the whole prose and poetry that we're going to go through. I think that's, that's, that's kind of, yeah. And also we kind of looked over it and we don't need to. Um, so before we keep going on Job's, so in some sense, Job's wife and Job then are <clears throat> lifted up for a brief second as different ways to respond yes. um and job's wife gets a bad rep she gets I a think, bad rap she really does because it's easy for us to i mean number one we knew that god and satan were up there talking about this easy to point fingers and blame yeah number two it's easy for us to just by principle say we'd never curse god and die but you lose all your kids see if you don't at yeah. least have a thought of this is unfair Sure. But the difference being is, is that Job, I guess, wanted to say, <clears throat> God has been so faithful. You know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Maybe Job says, I'm not fully convinced that God has got my best interest at heart, but I'm not going to stop following because so far it, it, God has yes. been a faithful witness yes. to God's love. Absolutely. So maybe it's just that Job's wife gave up too quick, but I don't think Joe was just okay with everything either. No. And I think, you know, I've always looked at it just a little bit different and have had lots of conversations about this. And I think George does a great job of pointing it out that, you know, Mrs. Joe, whatever her name was, Mrs. Joe also lost everything. Yeah. Those were her kids. Those were her servants. That was her livelihood. That was her wealth. And now she's sitting here because we are not told that anything happens to her physically. So now she's also watching her husband suffer miserably, you know, yeah. at, at that point, instead of her, I, I do agree that maybe she gave up on her faith, but maybe more out of pity. She's just like, why don't you just end it? Yeah. Just, you know, just curse God and, and die right now. You know, why, why continue suffering? But Job doesn't lose his faith in God. Nope. I mean, but he did struggle. Let's not act like he didn't. Sure. Sure he did. Uh, all right. So well, let's go on to the digging deeper section. Okay. Then. Um, so like the other thing that's so hard about Job is that really every single one of us has probably used all the arguments that his friends use to try to justify God <laughs> or to help Job. 
And in certain situations, pretty much everything that they said could be right, <clears throat> depending on yes. the situation it's in. It just wasn't right here right. in the book of Job. So <clears throat> Dr. Estes says, it's been said that Job is a book at odds with itself because its arguments go back and forth with penetrating insights on all sides. Like you could find something in every single one of those friends of his that address something and it's probably right. Just not right yeah. for this particular situation. Um, and I think that's an important thing for us to understand about this writing of Job as, as we're reading through it, we need to really think about the argument that's being made and how it applies, you know, cause we have to remember that they lived in a culture and a time where if something bad happened to you, it was because you had done something to anger one of the gods, right? Whether, yeah, well. it, was, whether it was the God of, of Israel or the, the God of the universe, or, um, you know, if you lived in one of the tribal nations that, that uh, worshiped whatever God, if, if something bad happened to you, obviously you have done something to anger God. You have not repented. You have not made your sacrifice. You have not given your offering, whatever it was. And this is your punishment. You know, this, this was a very common thought process. And honestly, let's, let's, let's just say that that thought process has not gone away. That's what I was about to say. I mean, that's still there. Still do that today. You know, when we go, I have heard, (laughs) I have heard pastors say that if something bad is happening to you, it's because you're not living right. And you need to repent and get right with God. Yeah, but is that wrong? If you've gotten well, okay, but if you've gotten sick, if you've got a terrible disease, I've heard pastors say, if you've got a terrible disease, it's because you've done something wrong and you need to repent and come back to God. Is, is it wrong entirely? In some cases, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at. There's sometimes like, there's going to be, you know, a, a child, which is diagnosed with cancer, but there's, they probably, they didn't do anything wrong. Right. But again, like generally speaking, so so that's the thing about this particular book of wisdom that's different than Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or anything else. Like Proverbs, the whole presentation is, I mean, like in the first Psalm or Proverbs, you follow the way of God and, and righteousness will be with you and goodness sure. will be with you. And generally speaking, that is absolutely true. Like if you live your life and you don't get caught up in drugs and you don't steal and you don't cheat on people's wives and you don't, you know, our husbands or whatnot, and you, you go and you to school and you do everything you're supposed to do. Chances are you're going to end up upper middle class with a nice family in the suburbs. That's the chances are absolutely going to happen. Sure. Bumps along the way. Um, so, I mean, like generally speaking with the wisdom books are weird. That's why Job is different. Job yes. won't let you go with that. Uh, Job is trying to say, yeah, generally speaking, maybe, but there's going to be times where things are terrible. There are, yes, there are instances and circumstances where you can do everything right and still end up in yeah. a terrible situation. Yeah. And then what do you do? Worship God. Good, good answer. That's okay. why you get paid the big money. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let me bring up this discussion. I don't really want to go too much further into that because like, it's just, the, the way you'll understand Job or not understand Job, which is a perfectly acceptable position. Yeah, absolutely. Is to read it and struggle with it yourselves. Um, but, you know, we'll bring up as much as we can. Oh, I did want to bring up in this the term theodicy. Theodicy. That's probably important. Um, 
and basically it's just what we we were talking about. Theodicy is just the justice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just why bad things happen to good people, why good things happen to bad people. Again, my question that I say is why does good things happen to anybody? That's also a valid question. That is um, a valid question. So anyway, wanted to bring that up. That's what that word means. It's an age-old question. Um, all right, but the discussion question, do you remember a time when some of your friends intending to give you great comfort instead just made you irritable? Hmm. Have you ever sat down in a situation and thought, I'm going to try to help this person. And then mm-hmm. afterwards you're like, I didn't help that person at all. Mm-hmm. And I should have been quiet. Has yes. that ever happened to you? Reverend? Yes. 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 And yes. So like most good marriages, it's not always been good. There's been rocky roads and bumpy paths and things that we had to work through and get over and understand better how to communicate. And at one point in time, uh, we were seeing a counselor to help us just understand each other better and understand our relationship better. And all of my friends at that point in time, their advice was divorce. Yeah, um, so too. And you know, when I went to the counselor for the first time, I said, everybody's telling me just to divorce. And the counselor with great wisdom from God looked at me and said, well, what do you want to do? And I thought, I want to make things work. And she said, well, then quit listening to everybody else and start listening to what you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and praise God, it'll be 25 years next year. You know, good job for that. Yeah. You know, we love love. Yeah, that's right. And then have I ever given wisdom? That's like, yes. Children. Y'all have children. we do. We all have children and, and sometimes we don't take into account their personalities and what they can and can't do or are, we think that they're capable of, um, but they're not ready for, you know, I think that's something that's really hard for us to understand. Cause we think if they would just do da, 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 da. but I know adults that sometimes when I'm talking to him and having conversations with, if you would just do X, Y, Z, but they're not ready to take that step. They're not ready to make that commitment. And so I offer advice prematurely and, and it usually doesn't go long because then they think I'm just being a snotty know-it-all and I don't really care. Or at least that's what my kids tell me. You're not a snotty know-it-all. You're just a know-it-all. I just know it all. Nothing wrong okay. with that. I will remind my children of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I remember mostly more so with my kids because I, sure. I probably I treat my children different than I do other people. Like I probably I probably wouldn't well, be as straightforward or whatever with people I am not related to uh because of the context. But there I particularly one time with my middle kid, I do remember um getting particularly irritated because he was in a woe is me like moment of his life and like everything, you know, I think he broke up with a girlfriend or something, whatever. <laughs> Terrible. Right. Anyway, that leads to all kinds of other things. And, but anyway, I do remember thinking, wait a second, I'm not God. I don't know what God has planned for this kid. I know what I'd like him to do. And maybe that's where I'm getting angry because he's not doing what I want him to do. This isn't sure. my kid. This is God's kid. And um, so in an effort to, you know, go down the right path or do things right. I'm like, I'm shepherding. I'm trying to make this child the image of Chris and not Christ. And sometimes I get that confused. And so sometimes I guess what I've gotten to the point 
of is just sometimes I just shut up. Yes. Like that's, that's probably the best. Perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or reflect back to people because like I get the struggle. Like when people are hurting, sometimes they just yeah. want to tell you they're hurting. And they just need just need somebody to listen. It's and, not and like know you that can do and yeah, it's not like a lot of times for me, it's not like I can do anything to help them. They just need to know that somebody cares. Yeah. And that's okay too. I think it is the presence, the ministry of presence is what we yes. call it. Yes. Yes. Which is important. It is a beautiful thing. All right. So I'm going to push us then to the learning from the scripture section, okay. the witness of the church. So um the we obviously don't get any resolutions whatsoever in the first couple of chapters of Job. But again, in the back of our mind, we know that we don't really get any resolutions at all. Yeah. And I think Again, Dr. Spoiler alert if you haven't yeah. read it yet. <laughs> Dr. S this is about the middle of page, middle paragraph of the first paragraph. The first paragraph under learning from the scripture, kind of right in the middle, where um he quotes Paul, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. And I'm not I'm not a big person to say the ends justifies the means. I don't think that's true, but if we were created for eternity. Mm-hmm you know, like some of the old spirituals, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years on this earth is literally a blink in, blink in the eye. Yeah. And no matter how bad it is here, and I, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to demean or um, excuse the evils that happen. But, you know, like Amazing Grace says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, I mean, like we've just begun, right? At that right. point in 10,000 years. So what is what is your 80 years on earth? Um, so anyway, I don't know. That's, that's yeah. keep things in perspective, maybe. Um, I think, I think that's good. I, I think that's good to keep things in perspective. That's a, that's hard and it's difficult, but I think when you're a Christian and you know that ultimately this world is not our own. Yeah. Yeah. He also says in here, a person of faith may experience a deepening of their conviction during heartache. Some who previously believed themselves as pious or faithful may unfortunately relinquish their faith at their lowest moments. Um, And I think maybe that's true. I mean, I think like life, I had a Bible college professor that once says, don't let, don't let good theology get in the way of real life. Hmm. Right. And what he what he meant there was like we have these high ideals of of our thoughts and our our theology, but then your kid dies or you get in a wreck or a stroke like Hmm. life has a way of dulling the edges of your super held ideologies. Yeah. Um, If you're honest. Or if you're honest enough to rethink your your experiences in light of God's sovereignty or, or the doctrine that you've held so tightly to, you don't stay the same. You're not a picture, you're more mm-hmm. of a movie, you journey. I think that's important. Um, so let's, let's do the discussion question. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. it, up. it really does. Yeah. What is the difference in suffering for faith and a testing of faith? And can you share a time or experience when you've experienced either? 
did these trials weaken or strengthen your faith and how so? Mm-hmm. Reverend. I think we often misuse this suffering for our faith phrase, especially in the Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I'm going to okay. go ahead and say, I think I can see a clear direction where I can see it headed to where Christians within the next 30, 40 years could be experiencing some type of persecution for their faith. Right. But compared to what our brothers and sisters in other countries truly suffer for their faith, the consequences literally mean life and death. Um, I don't think we suffer for our faith here in the United States. And that's something for us to think about. Um, so is there a difference between suffering for your faith and testing for your, yes, absolutely. I mean, suffering for your faith is life and death consequences. Um, testing of faith. I think our faith is tested often. Um, sometimes people are put in our path for that reason. Um, yeah. Um, I've never suffered for my faith, but I have had my faith tested. Um, and it's, and it amazes me that in those moments when my faith is tested, when my beliefs my are questioned or um, put under scrutiny, um, it definitely strengthens my faith because it makes me dig deeper to understand my own convictions and why it is that I believe what I believe. Um, and, and as I mature in that faith and as I study scripture and understand and pray better and continue to build and strengthen that relationship that I have with Christ, it only grows my faith and my understanding of how amazing and awe-inspiring God is. Instead of losing it, it just, it makes it stronger. Definitely, for sure. I think the New Testament brings over the, I mean, there's a testing of your faith in some way, shape, or form. And it could be persecution. That's a test and not be. just suffering. But it testing not in like the, like you test gold to, to make it pure, right? Don't like you can it. go through a refining, yeah, you can go through a refining process, which could be a yeah. testing. Uh, so that's, that's an imagery. I would think while you were talking, like, I agree with you. Like, it's not a, for the vast majority of us in America it's not a life and death thing um and it's probably not like uh we're going to get taken behind the woodshed and beaten because we're a Christian for the vast majority but I think you can suffer in the fa- for your faith when you allow yourself to be used as a tool for certain things mm, okay like, I hadn't thought about that so like again this isn't toot my horn I just remember our our middle kid when we took him in um he wasn't on the right medicine and, and I'm not going to say suffer, but it was pretty close to like, we endured some stuff anyway sure. until things got straightened out. Is it worth it? Yes. But I'm not going to say we didn't suffer. I mean, it cost us money. We weren't able to do things that we needed to do for a house or, and I, again, I'm not equating that with this great suffering that I'm going to live or die, but there are people who do so if you give up something, is that suffering? Like a parent who gives up food so that their kids could eat or a neighbor's right. kid could eat. I mean, that's suffering. 
and it's not something to be shot away. But again, maybe that's testing. I don't know. I don't know. It felt like a test and suffering sometimes. And <laughs> it was a ridiculous. suffering test. <laughs> yes, it was a suffering test. But I think that's, you know, or when Paul says, I consider it all rubbish that I might gain Christ or share in his sufferings. We, we talked about that in the flipping stuff. Yeah. I mean, like giving yourself up causes suffering. It can. Absolutely. At least um, mental anguish. And that's not yeah, fake. That's true. That's, that's true. real. So I don't know. I mean, like, that's, so that's, a, that's a good point. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I know there's something about it. I know Job was going through it. Job was suffering. He was absolutely suffering for his faith because God was like, test this, or, you know, mm-hmm. Job was like, or Satan was like, let me, let me. Here's inflict, Job on a silver yeah, platter. Let me inflict pain. So he was suffering because he was faithful. Like God yes. was like, oh yeah, I got this guy who's always been pretty good. So because of his faith, he was a target. Uh, but then also it became a test in a sense so that God could prove that there was a righteous, blameless man. Right. Around. Oh, that one's tough. That is. Okay. So just with you talking right there, it brings up this line that just sticks with me and it's and it's towards the end of the movie of God's not dead. If you haven't watched that, it's a great movie. Um, the, the main character, the male main character in the film is very successful businessman, very wealthy, has pretty much anything that he wants. And his mother who is in need of 24 hour caretaker is suffering from Alzheimer's. And there's this scene at the end of the film that he's sitting in the dark at his mom's house, just kind of moonlit. And he's just sitting there watching his mom. And he says out loud, he says something like, I'm not going to quote this directly because I don't remember directly, but he says something like, here you are, you've been a believer your whole life and you don't even know who you are. And then look at me. And, and what do you think about that? And she has like this moment of spiritual clarity or something. And, and she says, Sometimes have everything that you want to keep you from what's really important. Say that again, at least on my end, you broke up right at the very beginning. What she said says Satan sometimes lets you have everything that you want so that you're, you don't recognize or don't see what's really important. Yeah. And and it's not a direct quote. You'll have to go back and look that, find up that direct quote, but that has often made me think, and especially in regards to Job, that sometimes that we have the illusion That's good of too. everything that we ever want in life. That's suffering too. It can be. That, that, it, that could be suffering because here you are given everything that you could ever desire, but what is the one thing that you're missing? Yeah. And that's an eternal life with Christ. Well, that's a good thought because suffering comes in two different forms, I guess. I mean, it's the suffering when you're without, but then like, you know, rich people yeah. who don't know who they are and they'd rather jump off a bridge than lose your money or something. You know, that's that's sure. suffering one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. Well, Interesting thoughts for today. I think then we'll push forward to the applying the scripture section and we'll keep on that discussion because the first one is, is suffering the only means Satan uses to tempt people? Does suffering sometimes have beneficial effects? So that's Two different questions, but I think you've already kind of kind of answered yeah. that first part because Satan can tempt you with all the good things and lure you away from God. I mean, think about the trials, you know, that Christ went through. 
when, when he began his ministry, Satan says, just bow down and worship me and I will give you everything, you know? And I think Satan does the same thing to us. If you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you power and glory and put your name in lights and you'll have your bank account huge and you'll have a huge house and, but you're, you're missing. Yeah. You're always going to feel there's, I think there's God purposefully put a hole here in our heart that could only be filled by him. And we will continually look for means and ways, whether physical or not to fill that void that we continually, continuously feel until, until you find the right thing to fill it with, which it can only be filled by God. So then I'm going to assume from the way you're talking. And I think the way we've talked in the past does suffering sometimes have beneficial effects. Absolutely. God disciplines God's children. That's Hebrews and that's the Proverbs wisdom literature, but just life tells us that like sometimes suffering is a wake up call. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yep. I like uh, if, if you guys, I'm going to put a personal shout out here. I know Danny, Danny listens to these things, but we got a pastor in Kentucky that has a cool story. I think, did we ever get, was his story ever featured in the CP magazine? If not, it should be. I don't think it was Danny Willis. Yeah. Our awesome pastor. Um, he is so amazing. If you follow him on Facebook, he has his story posted and it's, yeah. I mean, it's astonishing. Danny, you're just, you rock. Thank you. Yeah. And so like he had to hit rock bottom, but if he hadn't hit rock bottom, he'd been dead. So, so I would say that was a beneficial thing suffering that, yeah. I mean, at least that particular part, of course, I'm speaking for him and he can obviously in the comments section below. There you go, Danny. Me. Now's your time. Uh, Jump in. But, but I think, I think we've all at least experienced it or had somebody in our life that experienced it. That sometimes the suffering is the only thing that's like that shake up, wake up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. bring it on brother, do this right. Um, yeah. So then I, again, that would be a suffering is all suffering a sign that God is trying to tell us something. No, no, I don't mm-hmm. think so. Well, men, I don't know, actually. I'll let you answer that one. Then I'll. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, now that you say that, now you got me thinking about that. Oh, is all suffering a sign that God is trying to tell us? I would have probably said no until you just said that. And now I'm thinking maybe it is, maybe, Um, maybe it is that wake up call. Maybe it is that, that recognition that God's working and God's always present. And are we aware of, and are we a part of his life? And maybe, maybe it's a way for us to see the amazing things that God does in miracles here, um, in the physical realm. Um, I don't know, maybe it is. Yeah. Part of me thinks, you know, in John, like who, who sinned this man or his parents that he's born blind and God's Mm -hmm. his leader. It's so, uh, you know, God's glory could be. So that God can, yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did he ask to be born blind? Did he love that for, you know, at least. So I'm working on. For the summer mm-hmm. encounter next year, uh, we're having the uh, confession of faith thing. And the second lesson is going to be about general revelation. The first lesson is about specific revelation. And uh, I won't go into that theology except to say, you know, there's this general sense. So, like, I would I would delineate suffering in that way. There's a general suffering that just everybody goes through. And that is a reminder that things aren't the way it should be on this world. And we need to desire something better. And that is like the earthquake that ruins the houses, the tornado that, 
I mean, yeah, it's a natural event, but it's also a reminder that there's a curse on this world, right? Or this world has been cursed because of sin and death. And so it's a reminder that this world isn't our home. But then there might be, and I am, people can say I'm wrong on this, but I think I've experienced uh, what I would call specific suffering. So you have general suffering, which reminds us that this world isn't right, and it's redeemed in Christ, and, and it will be set right. But then the specific uh, suffering that comes to you, yeah, sometimes you need a spanking. That's that hitting rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just yeah. do. Now, yeah. do I think that somebody that just gets cancer, that's a specific suffering? No, I think that could be general suffering in the sense of there's carcinogens in the world. Environmental. There's yeah. DNA that wasn't completely right. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a, because you did this, you now have this. Right. But I will not ever say that there's not a something that I did and God then whips me because mm-hmm. I, I don't learn any other way, as my parents could probably <laughs> attest to. <laughs> so that's how I'd answer that question. General, right. it's, a new, it's a new theological term, my friends. You have general, general suffering, suffering and specific suffering. And specific. Okay, fair enough. As general revelation leads you to a general knowledge about God, and Jesus Christ gives us a specific revelation. So general suffering reminds us that Christ has redeemed the world and there's a better one coming. Specific suffering may lead you to repentance. I don't know. And then you may all disagree with that, which I'm fine with. Leave it in the comment sections below. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. And then we'll end today with what lessons can we learn from Job's reaction to suffering? Worship. I would also say in addition with, I think worship's right. It's a good, it's a good reaction, but I also think what we'll find when we continue in the book of Job, Job was angry and he wasn't scared to tell God. And it was okay. It was okay to be angry. Yeah. 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 But he didn't give up. So there is a patience or an endurance of Job. And I think that's important. Yeah too awesome Job's i think got so great lessons and i think this was a beautiful introduction so dr estes thank you thank you i felt a little rambly today but you kept us on track yeah. we're yeah. good it's all is good all right well then uh may the lord bless you keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious unto you turn his face toward you and give you peace and preach and teach with grace and power this week let Amen. this be an awesome Cumberland presbyterian weekend That's right. That's right. Always.